Noah and Kate, Chapter 25 Kate stood outside Noah's apartment at 6.30 that night and rang the doorbell for a second time. She leaned in closer to listen for noises that might tell her he was home, but unable to hear the bell. Silence. She reached into her bag for her phone and cursed as she saw the cold black screen of a dead device. She had to get a new one. The batteries on these things lasted about half an hour. She was rummaging in her bag for the low-tech version of modern communication, a pen and an old gas receipt, when the main doors to the building whooshed open and Noah came striding in, still decked out in his paramedic uniform. Hey, she blinked at him, confused by the worried look on his face. Is everything okay? Hey, Malone, he said, fishing his keys out of his back pocket as he came towards her. I'm sorry I'm late. Something came up at work. Come on in. She stepped back to let him open the door and enter first, hanging back because something definitely felt off about this whole exchange. Truthfully, she'd sort of expected, okay, hoped, that he'd kiss her when he first got home. But maybe giving the little woman a peck on the cheek after a long day at work was a little too George and Mary Bailey for him. He'd wanted to kiss her at Luna's place, though. She'd felt that down to her bones. So why the tense greeting now? Unless, is Luna okay? Her hand flew to her mouth and her heart began to pound. Oh God, Noah, is she okay? He stood by the open door and reached his arm out towards her, beckoning her in. She's fine, she's fine. A little dehydrated, or could be a bit of anxiety, but she's fine. Relief rushed through Kate like a splash of cold water on a hot day. Oh, thank God. You scared me there for a minute. He smiled ruefully and closed the door behind them. He leaned back against the door and crossed his arms over his chest, his biceps straining the fabric of his uniform shirt. The slouch was casual and sexy as hell, and normally she'd be all for taking the time to simply gaze at him, head to toe. But the fact that he wasn't laying her back on the couch and kissing her senseless right now was more than a little unnerving. Is something wrong? she asked. I feel like something's wrong. I tried calling you, but I guess your phone was off. Battery's dead. Again. He nodded once. Ah, okay. Well, don't kill me, but I can't stay. I mean, I can't see you tonight. I'm so sorry. What happened? She tried to hide her disappointment and not let her fears leap to the conclusion that he was brushing her off. I mean, it's okay, of course, but... He sighed and pushed off from the door. It's the same old story. We're short-staffed with all the vacation leave, and one of the guys call in sick for tonight, and if I don't pull a double shift, there'll be no ambulance service between here and Dunmore for the next twelve hours. He looked at her bashfully. So I said I'd do it. I'm sorry, but I... I can't just leave knowing there's no cover for tonight. Aw, she said, feeling a surge of tenderness for him. Of course, I understand. His expression brightened a little, and he stepped closer to her. Really? Because this morning, with Paige bursting in like that, we didn't get a chance to... You know... She smiled, thinking of last night in the field. It's okay. We can... You know, 
again some other time. Well, one, that's good to know, but two, that's not what I meant exactly. He grinned at her. Then his eyes went all soft and sexy, and he took both her hands in his. I didn't like the way we left things. I don't want you to think that I'm okay with just... Just... He sounded like he was trying to get an idea across, but didn't like any of the words his brain was coming up with to express it. He sighed. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, she offered. He laughed. Hit it and quit it? He threw his head back and laughed up at the ceiling. Trust you to put a fine point on it, Malone. But yeah, something in that vein. Well, she said, reaching up and putting her arms around him. You definitely didn't give me any of those vibes. You could have just kept walking last night, after we left the field. I was naked, he pointed out. Couldn't have got very far. True, but you didn't have to come back to the cabin with me. Maybe I just wanted to test out the couch springs. Twice, she nodded. He grinned at her with obvious relief and a fair bit of delight which surprised her. Did he genuinely think she'd blame him for Paige's interruption? Or be angry at him for cancelling on her to cover an EMS shift? So you're okay with everything? He asked. Including bailing on you tonight? Of course. He sobered a little, put his arms around her waist, and let his hands wander freely, possessively, down her butt. So I gotta get back. I got about 15 minutes or so before I got to head out again. I wanted to make sure I caught you. He leaned down and gave her a quick, gentle kiss. I'm glad I did. A lot can happen in 15 minutes, Kincaid, she whispered against his cheek. She felt him groan against her. Oh God, don't tempt me. Why not? She asked teasingly. You don't even have to get undressed. Katie... I'm serious, she said. Her hands worked at his buckle, and she felt his breath catch and quicken. You do look incredibly hot in this uniform, after all. I only have a few minutes, he protested, but feebly. His eyes were blazing with heat now, and she knew she'd planted the right idea in his mind. I wouldn't be able to stay, like I said. So we'll make it a quickie, she said, booping his nose with hers. Unless you have any other objections. She undid his belt buckle and unzipped his pants. She reached past the fabric of his boxers and his cock bobbed free, hard and surging at her touch. She met his eyes with an impish smile as she lowered herself down to her knees in front of him. His face pinched into an expression of agony and bliss all at once. And when she touched the head of his cock with her tongue... He let out a groan of deep satisfaction and intense pleasure. Katie, he breathed, looking down at her as she kept her eyes on his and slowly circled her tongue around his swollen head. Dear God. She said nothing, but just smiled at him as she teased and licked and flicked at his head until it grew wet and silky from her tongue. She knew she'd found the most sensitive spot just beneath the crest when her tongue slid playfully over that spot and he collapsed back against the door with a guttural cry of pleasure. 
She knee-walked to follow him, taking his cock in her mouth and suckling gently, teasing the head with her lips before starting to go lower. Inch by inch, she took more of him in her mouth, savoring the sensation of his large, hard shaft surging between her lips. She sucked him gently, sliding her lips down his shaft as far as she could go, and then sucking harder on the way back up. He moaned with each stroke, and his breathing grew faster as her pace increased. She found a rhythm that he seemed to love, gripping the base of his cock with her hand as her mouth worked him up and down, up and down. Sucking and slurping, unembarrassed by the sound she was making or by her own little moans of pleasure. When his hips began to jerk, almost involuntarily it seemed, when he began to meet her strokes with thrusts of his own, she knew he was close to orgasm. They'd never talked about this, but she knew how intense his release would feel if she kept sucking and swallowing as he came. And she wanted more than anything to give him that intensity of pleasure, to let him feel worshipped and adored. Some women didn't enjoy letting their partners finish in their mouths, but she'd always found it an especially intimate act, and never more so than now with this man, whose every touch, every glance, every shy smile made her wild to bring him pleasure and find it with him for herself. And a part of her, a secret little part of her, reveled in the power of being able to wring this much pleasure from him, with only the small movements of her tongue and her lips, and the breathy moans of desire that escaped her as she did. Katie, Katie, he said, his voice almost breaking. I'm going to come if you keep going. Good, she said, because I want all of you. The groan that tore from his lips was closer to a growl, a feral, masculine sound of half-crazed lust and wild desire. Before she knew what was happening, he'd yanked her to her feet and backed her up against the wall, his hands grasping at her t-shirt and pushing down the waistband of her shorts. He lifted her up so that her feet dangled above the floor, and with one thrust he was inside her, sliding into her slick, heated core, his large, straining body holding her in place, even as his hips began to buck. His lips came down on hers with a ragged kiss, as he drove into her with hard, heavy strokes, groaning into her mouth with every thrust. The intensity of his need was overwhelming, and so were the sensations that sparked through her as he drove into her again and again, each relentless stroke going deeper, filling her completely. This was unlike anything she'd ever felt, and even as she kissed him back, her focus was stolen by the incredible sensation of being taken of being held against the wall and ravished by a man driven to the edge with desire and need. He was there with her, pinning her, supporting her, kissing her and breathing against her neck, but he was somewhere else, too, somewhere primal, somewhere wild, where he was driven purely by the aching need of lust. Lust for her. For her. She'd never once felt the searing heat of a man's passion for her. But now... Now she knew the exquisite, ravenous ache of it. Now that her body was seized and consumed again and again, she finally understood how mindlessly, utterly intoxicating lovemaking could be. No, she breathed out, her pussy clenching around him with a sweet, throbbing ache 
Oh, my God, Noah. Noah, Noah, Noah. Now, too, she understood why people cried out their lover's name as the pleasure mounted and threatened to capsize them. He was giving her this otherworldly pleasure. He was the one bringing her to new heights of sensation and desire. It was him, and only him, and her body responded to him as though she'd been made for just this. To be filled and stretched by him. To take him inside her and be ignited with pleasure, every nerve-ending a riot of sensation, until she could do nothing but moan and cry out and squeeze her eyes shut against the rising, rising tide. The power of his body moving inside her, his arms straining to brace them both against the wall, the fluid movements of his hips as he drove into her. Every ounce of his strength was channeled into this one act, this urgent rhythm. She opened her eyes and found his gaze, his eyes hot and fierce, blazing with the effort of this gloriously frenzied fuck. When his breath ratcheted up and his moans grew louder and higher, more pained with agonizing pleasure, when his thrusts became shallow and fast, so much faster, so much more desperate, she felt the waves of an intense orgasm began to build in her, so much more powerful than anything she'd experienced before, even with him. She heard herself moaning and crying, almost screaming with the pleasure of it, not caring if the neighbors heard, not even aware of neighbors or anything else but the searing, scorching pleasure invading her very soul. He came hard, bucking into her with deep, powerful thrusts, and she exploded around him. Wave after wave of shattering pleasure splintered her mind, spiraling higher and higher until her ears began to buzz and drown out all sound and sensation except the pleasure detonating through her like fireworks. She saw stars as she almost blacked out, riding the crest of the wave as it crashed over the edge and sent her cascading down the other side her body on fire, her breath ragged and sharp. His body had grown tight as a coiled spring, his muscles straining as his release ripped through him. He thrust into her sharply, twice, three times, and finally stilled, his chest heaving with the effort of it, his breath against her neck hot and wet as he moaned. She clung to him fiercely, dropping her head to his shoulder as she tried to recover, not even sure if she wanted to recover, and she felt herself slumping down the wall a little as he lost his strength. They both slid to the floor in an exhausted heap, her leg bending behind her awkwardly, his legs splaying out on the cool tile floor. Neither of them seemed to notice or care. Holy fuck, he gusted out when he could finally catch his breath. He flopped over on his side, curling away from her so he wasn't pinning her to the floor. He put his hands over his face and continued to take in huge breaths, so that when he spoke, his voice was muffled. Fuck, I think I'm gonna die. She pulled a leg out from under him and struggled to free her other one from under her butt and fell back against the floor so that her head was near his feet, his heavy black work boots looming in her peripheral vision. She couldn't speak. She could only try to refill her empty lungs and make the room stop spinning. Are you okay? he asked, after a few more breathless moments, propping himself up on his elbows to look at her, his eyes like dinner plates, sweat dripping off his forehead. I don't know. I don't know yet. She spoke only when she breathed out. 
Might be dead. God almighty. He flopped back down, thunking his head on the floor. Katie May, I've never... I've never... Holy shit, I've never come so hard in my life. So that's what... All the fuss is about, she breathed. That was... Incredible. Seriously, are you okay? He repeated, rising back up on his elbows. I sort of left my body there for a minute. I have no idea what I was doing to you. You were making me leave mine. Ah, he said, and nodded as he closed his eyes and flopped back down again. Good. Just checking. They lay there for a few minutes, her arm draped across his calf, and his hand across her ankle, their breathing the only sound in the room. Kate stared up at the ceiling, relieved to see that it too had stopped swirling, and that the stars had finally flickered out. She slowly floated back down to earth on a pillow of afterglow, her entire body flooded with a warm, peaceful glow. She rose up on her elbows and looked at him, amazed that another person had the power to do that to her. But watching his chest rise and fall, letting her eyes roam over his shoulders and arms and down his lean body, well, maybe it wasn't all that surprising. He was her sex god, after all. Even if he did look a little odd lying there in his uniform with his zipper gaping and his cock lying spent against his thigh like a wounded soldier, throbbing slightly with each beat of his pulse. He rose up too and smiled at her, the widest, happiest grin she'd ever seen. It made her smile too, and she probably looked just as goofily, giddily delighted. He moved his boot to tap the side of her arm. You're something else, you know that? She tapped his arm with her foot. You ain't half bad yourself. He let his head fall back on a long, breathy sigh of contentment and relief. Holy fuck, that was awesome. Are you gonna make it back to work? She asked. His head came forward, and now his eyes looked a little drowsier. Shit. Work. She scrunched up her nose. Sorry. He sat up and ruffled his hands through his hair. No, don't be sorry. Fuck. I think we both needed that. He glanced around, as if just noticing he was in his apartment. His eyes fell on the clock over the kitchen sink, and he hoisted himself up on his feet. I will need a shower, though, and then I really do have to get going. Filet, mate, thank you, Kate, she joked and he let out a laugh that made her heart sing. He extended a hand to help her off the floor, and as she rose, he put his arms around her and gave her a long, sensual, sleepy kiss. He sighed happily and rested his forehead on hers. I will see you tomorrow, I promise, he murmured. I should be fully recovered by then. Don't work too hard tonight, she said, framing his face with her hands. She gave him two short, tender kisses. Be careful out there, okay? Yes, ma'am, he said, his eyes glowing as he gazed down at her. He playfully spanked her bum. Now would you get out of here before I have to call in sick? She laughed and scooped her abandoned purse off the floor. With another couple of quick kisses that threatened to deepen into something richer and more erotic if they weren't careful, she spanked him on the bum and left tinkling a wave at him as he closed the door.
An hour later, still feeling the euphoric heights and odd little tingles that zing through her body, still restless and energized but without Noah around to spend her energy on, Kate parked across the street from Lizzie and Fitz and peered through the windows to see if Paige was working on the counter tonight. A collection of grey-haired heads bobbed in conversation, and Kate realized it was Thursday night, and the Agathas were in session. She pushed open the door to the jangle of the bell, and was assaulted by the boisterous voices of the book club members, who occupied the comfy sofas and chattered happily between sips of iced coffee. Paige waved to her from behind the counter, and beckoned her over. Hey, she said, dropping some ice into a cup of milky coffee and sliding it to Kate. Have you heard from Noah? A full-body blush surged through her, and she almost laughed. Oh, I've heard from him, all right. Very, very loudly. Uh, yeah, I did, she managed, sipping her coffee. He's doing a double shift. They're short staff tonight. And what about Luna? Is she okay? She's fine, Kate assured her, just a little dehydrated. Noah said she might have been feeling a bit of anxiety, too. Anxiety? Paige frowned. We were having such a nice visit, I thought. Just talking about books. Did she seem anxious to you? No, Kate mused. Maybe it was the mention of the Firth. He's been known to make a few hearts pound. Paige grinned. But she's fine. Kate sat at one of the counter stools and swiveled to take in the noisy seniors, the loudest of which were, as she might have predicted, Bill Peterson and Mrs. J. Her books did not get better once she got another husband, Mrs. J was saying with outraged gusto. That's such a sexist thing to say, Bill. I won't stand for it. Murder on the Orient Express, death on the Nile. Bill started counting on his fingers. He was leaning forward, elbows on his thighs, pale, skinny legs sticking out of turquoise Bermuda shorts. He was wearing sandals, Kate noticed, with socks. The murder of Roger Ackroyd, the mysterious affair at Stiles, Mrs. J boomed over him. Parlor tricks, Bill scoffed, scowling. Her early books were nothing but trickery. I dare you to show me a better book than and then there were none. Go on, name one. Several voices mingled in protest, and titles Kate had never heard before flew like arrows, all of them aimed at Bill. Kate turned to look at Paige. So, it seems Mr. Peterson has become a bit of an Agatha Christie reader after all. Paige nodded. Gives him so much more to argue with Mrs. J about. You're just hopelessly old-fashioned, Bill, Mrs. Heath piped up. Mrs. Christie didn't need a man to make her a good writer. And why is she still called Mrs. Christie anyway? Bill demanded, warming to a new grudge. She was married to Max Mallowen till she died. Why isn't she called Mrs. Mallowen? The ladies in the group fell about in scoffs and protests, all talking over each other until someone spoke up. Christy was her professional name, Bill. She was a famous author. You can't expect a famous author to just change her name. Any wife of mine would need to take my name. That's all I'm saying. Bill crossed his arms and sat back. A hunk of granite in a plaid golf shirt. Any wife of yours would need to be committed, Mrs. J shot back, and the group dissolved in laughter. Kate found herself laughing too, enjoying the liveliness of the group. The seniors of Cedar Lake were some of the most vivacious, entertaining people Kate had ever met. 
Maybe, if she was lucky, she'd become as eccentric and jovial when she reached their age. She looked at each of them in turn, watching their animated expressions, laughing at their obvious enjoyment of the subject. Maybe she should join them, she thought idly, as the youngest member of the Agatha Christie Appreciation Society. You young ladies today, you know better, don't you girls? Mrs. Patel, the local librarian, called out to Paige and Kate. You don't need husbands telling you what to do. I never said nothing about telling you what to do, Bill protested. Stop putting words in my mouth, all of you. All I said is Agatha's books improved dramatically once she got married again, meaning she was happy, you dingbats. The roar of outrage that accompanied this pronouncement made Kate swivel back around to face Paige and put her hands in her hair as she laughed. He's something, isn't he? Paige laughed, too. Do you know what he's even talking about? Kate asked. I don't know that much about Agatha Christie. Well, I know her husband left her for another woman, Paige said, all gossipy, like she was recounting the latest developments on an afternoon soap. And she was devastated. I mean, absolutely crushed. She even went missing for ten days. It was world news. Anyway, after that, she went on an archaeological dig in Baghdad, and she met an archaeologist named Max Mallowan, who was, get this, 13 years younger than her. 13 years. They fell in love and got married, and were married for nearly 50 years, I think, till she, till she died. Kate stared at her. Wow. Yeah, isn't that cool? I mean, she was 40. He was 27. And no, I mean you. Kate let her arm fall on the counter. How do you know all this about her? Paige shrugged and tipped her chin over towards the Agathas. You hear how loud they are? I can't help but pick up a few things. Kate took another sip from her iced coffee. So that's why she wrote all those books about archaeologists and Egyptians and stuff. Yeah. She went with Max on all his digs, Paige said airily. A little too airily, almost theatrically. I guess you could say it really worked out for both of them. A tingle across the back of Kate's neck made her sit up straighter. She narrowed her eyes at Paige, who leaned her hip against the counter and crossed her arms. What? Why are you looking at me like that? Kate considered her words before opening her mouth, but eyed Paige with a mixture of suspicion and affection. What? Uh, Paige insisted, her eyes widening comically. I'm just saying it was great for both of them. He needed to go off and do his digs or whatever, and so she went with him and wrote her books, did her own thing. Then they lived the rest of the time in England. Is that so? Kate said. Paige shrugged, but it was anything but casual. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't exactly conventional, but it worked for them. Kate looked down at the ice floating around in her coffee and decided to play along. Yeah, I'm sure Agatha was very happy that Max wanted her to come with him. He could have been the independent type, you know, who didn't want a woman tagging along with him. Paige's tongue rolled around in her mouth, making a knob in her cheek as she regarded Kate. I guess it was something they talked about, you know, ahead of time. Kate nodded and folded her arms over her chest. I doubt it was her suggestion, though. It's not something you ask someone else to do, after all. 
Hey, honey, here's a thought. We can get married and I'll tag along with you and all your digs. How do you know? Paige said, trying to hide the humor in her eyes, but failing. Some guys really like it when a woman makes all the moves. Or when two women do, Kate added, feigning seriousness. I bet some guys love it when all the women they know plan out their lives for them. Paige straightened up and flicked a tea towel at Kate, laughing as she did. Kate reared back and laughed, catching the swish of the fabric across her cheek. But as she swiveled again and looked at the animated faces of the Agathas, Kate felt another little tingle across the back of her neck. What if he asked you to go to Panama with him? Paige's question to her at Luna's echoed through her mind, whispering on a little voice that Kate usually tried to ignore. The what-if voice, the dreamer voice, the hopeless romantic voice, the inner voice of her hopes and ambitions, the one that had zero experience with real life and believed that everything could and would work out like a fairy tale. If only she'd listen. This time, it was harder to ignore. She indulged it just a little, allowing herself the momentary fantasy. If Noah did ask her to go with him, she could continue her seed business anywhere. She could leave Zuzu's petals for when they came back. Who knows, maybe they could arrange his trips for the long winters when the bulbs were germinating in the cozy warmth of the greenhouse and come back to start it up in the spring. It was possible, at least. And if she had her own thing going on, if she found local flower species wherever they were and added those seeds to her catalogue, maybe she could even increase her online sales. She wouldn't be sitting around bored, or be a burden for Noah to worry about or feel shackled by. They'd just be together, in a new place, enjoying their own projects by day and enjoying each other by night. She looked down at her left hand and imagined a plain gold band there, like she had done so often throughout the years. This time, though, that tiny, hopeful voice inside her whispered that it might actually happen. Maybe. Possibly. And for the first time in a long time, she didn't shoo the fantasy away. <laughs>